Welcome to the Chesapeake Connect podcast. I'm Tom Hall. Chesapeake Connect is an annual learning trip that brings together leaders from around Baltimore to explore best practices and programs in a peer region. It's organized by the Baltimore Metropolitan Council, the Council of Governments Serving Greater Baltimore. The council has organized trips to Cleveland, New Orleans, and Nashville in recent years. Today on the Chesapeake Connect podcast, we're talking about how government and business leaders are keeping pace in an evolving economy and how well-positioned the region is for the future of work and development. I'm joined by Howard County Executive Calvin Ball. County Executive Ball is a Maryland native and Columbia resident, where he and his wife, Shani, are parents of two daughters who attend Howard County Public Schools. In 2006, he was elected the youngest council chairperson in Howard County history. And in 2018, he became Howard County's first African-American county executive. He also attended the 2019 Chesapeake Connect trip to Nashville. County Executive Ball, welcome. Good to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for having me and great to be here. And we are also joined by Aaron Tamarchio. He's the Senior Vice President for Corporate Affairs at TradePoint Atlantic, where he directs external relations, including government and regulatory affairs, public and community relations, and corporate marketing activities. In the past, he's served in executive roles in state and local government and is a senior advisor to numerous state and local elected officials. Aaron Tamarchio and TradePoint Atlantic sponsored the 2017 Chesapeake Connect trip to Cleveland. Aaron was also scheduled to attend the 2020 trip to the Twin Cities, which didn't happen because of COVID-19. Aaron Tamarchio, thank you for joining us on the Chesapeake Connect podcast. Great. Thank you for having me. So, County Executive Ball, let's start with you. A few episodes ago here on the Chesapeake Connect podcast, we heard from Greg Fitchett, who is overseeing the downtown Columbia redevelopment for the Howard Hughes Corporation. Um, in, in your view, from your perspective, what does this redevelopment mean for the economy of Howard County and for the region at large? Well, it is an exciting time for uh, Columbia, Howard County, and the region. Columbia is now over 50 years old, and it is a planned community that is known uh, throughout, frankly, the entire United States. However, the, the founder, Jim Rouse, uh, always talked about his vision. And one of the things that he said was cities must be fun. And Columbia is embracing that. We have a downtown Columbia plan that is not just a plan on the shelf, but it is coming to life and it's a living plan. And Columbia being central to Howard County, it really makes it so that the plan is thoughtful and it unfolds for retail, storefront, offices, housing, office space, and at the same time, being more walkable and bikeable. And we've seen so many regional businesses join us in Howard County and new retail and storefront locations. In fact, just earlier this month, the Charmery opened in downtown Columbia, and it is a delicious ice cream experience. And we have on the horizon the largest busboys and poets to open in May of this year. Yeah, those are two terrific uh, organizations. I mean, the Charmery here in Baltimore is a very favorite spot for lots of folks. And uh, in the Washington area, Busboys and Poets, 
uh, another really great uh, favorite of, of the locals there. So Aaron Tamarcio, the Trade Point Atlantic is in southeast Baltimore County. Uh, it represents a very different type of redevelopment in our region. You know, so for our listeners who are unfamiliar with Trade Point Atlantic, tell us about the history of the project and what's happening there currently. Great. Thank you. Well, there's a lot of exciting activity happening here in southeastern Baltimore County. And what we're doing uh, since 2014 is attempting to redevelop the former Sparrows Point steel mill site. Uh, you're looking at 30 200 acres industrially zoned uh, right at the uh, footsteps of, uh, of Baltimore City and the Port of Baltimore. And uh, for those that are not entirely familiar with the history of Sparrows Point, there was a wonderful podcast that was done uh, as a joint project between WYPR and the Baltimore Museum of Industry called Sparrows Point American Steel Story. So there's a, a great opportunity for your listeners to become more familiar with you know, the Sparrows Point story and how Trade Point Atlantic is working to redevelop this site uh, to serve uh, today's economy that is really dependent upon uh, distribution, uh, manufacturing, and, and logistics, uh, specifically the activity that's happening with the growing Port of Baltimore. So we're very excited to be, uh, to be part of this transformation. Yeah, a place of you know deep, wonderful history. And Aaron Hankin, uh, who put together that wonderful podcast series about Sparrows Point, uh, did a terrific job telling that story. And now you're, of course, writing a new chapter in that area of southeast Baltimore County. And County Executive Ball, uh, of course, Howard County's history is largely agricultural. You mentioned that you know uh, you're basically celebrating your 50th anniversary these days. But in the last, say, 20 years or so, the county has become a hub for high-end engineering and programming jobs. Uh, in such a competitive industry, what is Howard County doing to make sure that it can you know, stay ahead of the curve in attracting and, re and uh, retaining tech and engineering workers in that sector? Great question. You know, here in Howard County, we were known largely to be agricultural. And, you know, in recent years, we still have a very uh, growing and exciting agricultural industry. However, you know, we also are focused on technology and in our transformation and reinvention of our local economy. You know, making sure that we have tools for our entrepreneurs and technology workers to succeed in Howard County and really feed this economic development ecosystem. We have our Maryland Innovation Center, which is home to 27 entrepreneurs and combines in-house expertise with established technology and business leadership resources while fostering small business growth for the entire corridor. And the Innovation Center also represents one of the many opportunities we have to make Howard County a hub for technology and entrepreneurship and anticipate not only the impacts this pandemic will have on the nature and focus of business moving forward, but how to get out of this onto the road to recovery. And so we are focused on apprenticeships and entrepreneurship and new ideas, but also Howard County is very well known, not just throughout the region, the nation, but the world for our education system. You know, we have our public school system, which is one of the best in the nation and it brings families uh, of highly skilled, educated workforce from all over the world. We have our community college, which actually was one of the very only community colleges to win the Baldridge Award. 
and it's at the forefront of fostering a tech workforce, and they actually just recently teamed up with AT&T to expand apprenticeships. And we continue to work on building uh, our being named safest city in America for the third year in a row, and uh, being named uh, top five on Money Magazine's best places to live, and really helping people to understand that we are an attractive place to live, work, play, and do business. Yeah, you know, and that's a lot of really, really great selling points to attracting a good workforce to Howard County. And Aaron Tamarchio, uh, TradePoint Atlantic, you all do a lot of recruiting uh, to find employees for the tenants at TradePoint. So during this pandemic, the transportation and logistics industry has actually been one of the few industries to increase its workforce. Um, are you working to recruit from the communities who have traditionally worked at Sparrows Point, I mean, are, are you doing anything specifically to attract the folks who in the past relied on jobs at, at Sparrows Point in the steel industry? Absolutely. We're uh, working every day with our partners in Baltimore County and within uh, the community colleges of Baltimore County, CCBC, to identify uh, potential uh, workers to be able to come and, and uh, work at the many diverse jobs that are taking shape here at Trade Point Atlantic. Um, you know, CCBC just recently uh, announced the opening of their transportation training program right here on site at Trade Point Atlantic, where um, uh, people can come and be trained in, in a multitude of, uh, of uh, capabilities in the transportation distribution logistics sector, including receiving your CDL license, uh, which is something that is very much needed right now, is uh, the shortage of uh, CDL drivers. And we do uh, an effort uh, to work within the local community to get the word out about the, uh, the, the openings uh, within our tenants um, and host local uh, job fairs right here on site where uh, people can come to trade at Point Atlantic when we have a job fair and, uh, and meet directly with, uh, with employers that are looking to hire. So it's a great partnership that involves our tenants, Community College of Baltimore County and Baltimore County Workforce Development. And it's a, it's, it's a great tool because I can tell you as part of the site selection process that companies look at when they come here is does the region have a robust workforce to be able to pull from? And, and we like to say here in Baltimore region that that is a, a very much a selling point of strength for our region. And with our joint partnerships uh, with, the, with the groups I just mentioned, uh, we're able to deliver on that. And Calvin Ball, you mentioned the uh, you know the great workforce in Howard County. You've got you know this wonderful reputation for safety and livability. You've got uh, great schools, uh, and Howard County residents have some of the highest incomes in the country. Uh, but of course, the county's cost of living living rather has also risen over time. Do you worry about? pricing out lower paid workers, particularly in terms of housing? I mean, what can the government do, the county government do, to make a place for everyone? Well, it's really important for me to have a place, not only for people to live, work, grow and thrive, but to build onto the future, to make it so that that next generation of entrepreneurs, of workers, of people who will be the next Google and Amazon are able to be here. And so we launched our Housing Opportunities Master Plan. And that has certain principles, like increasing the amount of housing available at all price and rental points. 
encouraging greater diversity and socioeconomic integration by increasing affordable housing opportunities throughout Howard County and ensuring that Howard meets the unique housing moment for our older adults, our people with disabilities, and all diverse populations. We're also right now working through our general plan, which we have called HOCO by Design, and that establishes the vision that our county will have an equitable and environmentally and fiscally sustainable future that helps address the needs of all of our residents, including our most vulnerable and underrepresented populations. And something that has recently come onto the pipeline is we have a new cultural center, which is an exciting project that's been in development for more than a decade and will finally be realized building upon that Jim Rouse vision. And it's going to serve as our new hub for arts and culture and have a home for the iconic Toby's Dinner Theater and have arts programming and affordable housing units. And this will move forward our Live Where You Work program, which was a public and private partnership to have rental subsidies for uh, those who live and work near downtown Columbia, and so many other great opportunities to have a full spectrum of affordable housing for today and tomorrow. Yeah. And Aaron Tamarcio, you have been a switch hitter throughout your career. You've had leadership positions in both the government sector and the private sector. So from your perspective at TradePoint Atlantic, um, what do you think state and local government can do in terms of investments in things like transportation and workforce development to foster economic growth for that area and for the region? Well, thank you very much. Uh, I think there are uh, very key investments that can be made uh, by both state, local, and even the federal government, especially as the federal government looks to uh, introduce an infrastructure package. And, you know, that leads me to investments in infrastructure, whether that's uh, highways and, and bridges, uh, to be able to get uh, people to and from uh, places of employment, water and sewer infrastructure investments to modernize water and sewer systems to make sure that the supply of, of that is, is reliable, uh, and investments in telecommunications infrastructure, uh, as well as uh, electricity and gas. So, you know, those are all core components that are needed to be able to, uh, to involve, um, you know, good development and um, specifically development that will, will grow the type of jobs that we're, that we're talking about. Additionally, um, you know, transportation access is is absolutely critical for uh, successful workforce um, investment and, and workforce participation. Uh, being able to meet the needs from a diverse uh, economy and a diverse uh, community. Uh, not everybody has a car. Um, not everybody maybe is within a walking distance to a light rail, rail or a metro station or sometimes bus service may need to be improved uh, where, you know, you don't want to have to commute an hour and a half to your job site. You want to be able to get that commute down within that, that, that sweet 30-minute timeline. Uh, timeline. And how do we do that? Um, and I think that's through diverse investments in on transportation and making sure we connect the communities uh, that are needing jobs with the job centers and, and connecting them more directly than maybe there currently are today. And I think that that's something uh, local governments in partnership with the state, 
um, and maybe even also the federal government can, can look at doing because uh, transportation is, is absolutely essential for, uh, for workforce development. And Mr. County Executive, of course, this past year has been uh, amazing and unprecedented in so many ways. Let's talk about the pandemic. How do you think the coronavirus crisis has changed your approach to governing? Uh, what kinds of programs, for example, have you been able to put in place to help businesses in Howard County get through the myriad of challenges of COVID-19? Well, Howard County government adapted quickly, uh, shifting about a third of our workforce online, uh, transferring a lot of our in-person services to virtual or making them accessible online and having an online onboarding system for a lot of our new employees. And in fact, we uh, had a lot of bite belt tightening measures that actually we implemented, including a hiring freeze, reduction in spending and contractual supplies and services and you know management of our Federal CARES Act funding. And so we were able to manage a lot of those fiscal challenges. Um, and then having that CARES Act funding, thanks to our congressional delegation, moving forward our response, ensuring that support, as you indicated, to local businesses. Uh, we had $13.5 million in grants um, and also from uh, the state's rainy day, which helped our small businesses. And then we actually had an additional $2 million of our own county funds for our businesses since our CARES Act funding was exhausted. We had innovative platforms like our HOCO Food Go, which helped people who are food insecure, or HOCO Farms Connect, which helped a lot of our farms because here in Howard County we have about 300 farms still. We had weekly calls with business owners and not only listened to what they needed and how they were struggling, but we worked together to create solutions. And then, you know, having some of those solutions actually get implemented, like uh, a more efficient permitting process for our restaurants who needed to stand up outdoor seating immediately. You know, in 2020, nearly $16.5 million in county funds were spent on projects with certified local business enterprises. And that's an increase over previous years because we understand that an investment in our businesses in the state and the region is an investment in our future. And Aaron Tamarcio, how about you and TradePoint Atlantic? How has the pandemic affected your work? Uh, can you identify you know, specific operational changes that you've put in place since the start of the COVID crisis? Well, I would say that being in the logistics business, uh, we are in the front lines of, uh, of what uh, was going on uh, with the COVID pandemic, uh, part of the front lines, and that you know, it was important for our tenants to uh, protect the supply chain that was very much needed to feed, uh, to feed the economy, um, to, uh, to make sure that you had supplies on the shelves uh, of our stores uh, when people were needing uh, supplies. But I would say that, that really the core uh, kind of impact that, that, that we had was the, the stability for um, government to be able to continue to operate. Um, our tenants are very much relying on 
the delivery of our, our buildings and, and the infrastructure uh, that's being built around us today. And I have to give a lot of uh, uh, salutes to uh, the state of Maryland and to Baltimore County for uh, you know, their ability to provide stability and reliability of government uh, during this process, especially with Baltimore County and keeping their services up and running for our tenants. Um, and as well as the, uh, the permitting and development review that occurred here uh, in Baltimore County to keep a lot of the projects that were in queue uh, moving forward because the, uh, the logistics sector really took a hit uh, with the pandemic, uh, a lot of stress uh, on, on the uh, supply chain and, and the supply network. And I think what we're seeing now are companies making additional investments uh, in their supply chain to shore up where they solved weaknesses and to make additional investments. So, um, you know, should this ever happen again, if they're better prepared to be able to address the, uh, the needs uh, of, uh, of their customers. So that's, um, that's where we've been able to see it. And again, I, I think that the region has, has really worked together uh, to make sure that the, uh, the pandemic uh, didn't uh, grind us to a halt, uh, that the, the, the people who are needing to get to the front lines to do their jobs were able to do that. Um, and I think that that's been a, uh, a real strength for uh, the Baltimore region and for the state of Maryland getting through the pandemic. Yeah, Mr. County Executive, you know, Aaron mentions uh, the help that uh, TradePoint received from uh, Baltimore County and the and, uh you know, County Executive Olszewski there, and and the role that government plays uh, or has played throughout this pandemic. Perhaps one of the things that uh, people have uh, rekindled uh, is a confidence in the capacity for government to help uh, when crises uh, arise. Um, folks are very optimistic now about a return to normal uh, as the vaccine rollout continues. But I wonder, maybe normal is going to mean something different in a post-pandemic world. You know, so much has changed about how we live. Um, are there changes that the pandemic has brought that you want to see carry on into the future? Well, I think the pandemic has created some issues, but frankly, it's revealed a lot more. A lot of the issues and challenges that we have now, we already had. Just starting with the health point, you know, comorbidities, people always had uh, health disease, health, uh, heart disease and diabetes and things like that. Uh, there were entrepreneurs who were trying to figure out how to make some of the finances work. There were businesses that were trying to figure out, as you very astutely noted, how government can be a supportive partner without having too many restrictions that actually hurt business. And so we recently released our Hoko Rise Collaborative Report, which was a compilation of a lot of work from numerous leaders uh, in many business and other sectors. And we were able to focus on pandemic recovery and the lasting changes and looking at people in Howard County uh, working remotely. You know, about 53% of our jobs are teleworking ready. And so maybe we can continue to do some of that and shifting to online and digital work that's gonna stick around and make things more convenient and actually help when it comes to transportation, housing, um, and then looking at the impact on commercial real estate. 
I think in, in some sectors, people will say, well, there, there might be less of a need for commercial real estate uh, because people will be working more remotely. In some sectors, there'll be more of a need because of the physical distancing standards. You know, making sure that there is digital equity so that we're looking at things like rural broadband and expanding access to digital resources that are vital to our recovery. And then continuing to focus on health and public health equity, not just physical, but also the mental public health and looking at those disparities that I alluded to and thinking about the, the government operations that we need, whether it's digital signature processes or just making sure that we streamline information that people can get online. So I think there are a lot of things that are here to stay in the pandemic. While it took us back uh, in several ways, it actually has accelerated our technological and philosophical capabilities to do more, more efficiently, and expand opportunity for more people. Yeah, and Aaron DeMarco, I think the county executive makes a really interesting point there about uh, what it's accelerated in terms of innovation as well as what it has revealed. Uh, many of the problems, you know, very much pre-existing, talk about pre-existing conditions. They were pre-existing uh, disparities, pre-existing challenges way before COVID and COVID uh, exacerbated some of those and really brought them to the forefront. So let me ask you the same question I've just asked the county executives. Um, you mentioned logistics, for example, and, and, and the, the problems with the, su the supply chain that have come to light uh, during COVID-19. But uh, are there any other things that you can think of, changes uh, because of the pandemic that you think will now become part of the normal modus operandi moving forward? I think uh, you know two things from from where we stand is is definitely uh, the supply chain uh, is uh, how it operates is is going to shift a little bit. Uh, I think how we as consumers uh, receive our um, our goods you know, each and every day and and uh, you know how we interact with uh, with the market uh, place uh, and how we you know go get our food, how we get our clothes and and any other goods that we need. Um, we're going to be consuming them differently. And I think you're going to see more and more companies look at ways that they can get closer and have more direct connection uh, with their customer. And that can take uh, the form of investments and in, in facilities uh, like we're seeing here at TradePoint Atlantic uh, that get, gets, gets businesses closer to the population centers that are uh, consuming uh, their goods. So I think you're, you're going to see that. That was a trend that was already kind of building uh, building up, but uh, I think the the COVID pandemic really accelerated, uh, and I and I think really cemented uh, the the virtual uh, web based direct to customer uh, interactions that uh, that you're you're going to see now in in retail and, and other types of uh, consumer goods. So that that will will stay, and I think we'll continue to uh, develop out as as we move forward, uh, even post pandemic. Um, and the other piece I have to say is is people now are start realizing where their goods are coming from. They I think they have had a little peek into the supply chain when you're going and wanting to uh, you know order you know something for your home, and apparently home improvement uh, consumption really went up uh, during the pandemic. Um, and you recognize that, well, what you used to be able to get in a week now takes three or four weeks. 
like you have a better appreciation of how a product gets from point A to point C and the people who are making that happen. Uh, and, that, and many of those people are frontline workers. Um, you know, the, the, the folks that right on the front line in the distribution warehouses and the, and the, the logistics uh, at the port and the truck drivers and all the people who really help make our economy churn, uh, they have an important role to play. And I think the pandemic uh, revealed that and, and hopefully people's appreciation uh, for those types of jobs and the importance those, uh, those jobs have in our economy uh, will be front of mind. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Uh, all of us, I think, uh, you know, have had a great revelatory experience about how goods get from point A to point B and then, uh, you know, into our living rooms and, and kitchens. And it'll be interesting to see if it has a lasting effect on how we behave as consumers, um, knowing what we now know that many of us never even bothered to think about before. So, Calvin uh, Ball, we're, we've been talking about you know Howard County and and Trade Point, which is down in Baltimore County. Let's uh, turn our focus for the moment to the city of Baltimore. What are some of the opportunities that you see for Baltimore City, uh, and where does Baltimore fit into the larger regional picture uh, in terms of its relationship to Howard County and you know the Baltimore metro region in general? Well, my parents grew up in Baltimore City, I grew up in Baltimore County, and now I'm here in Howard County, and I think that progression just in a microcosm of my family just shows how we are all interdependent. And I strongly believe that a strong Baltimore is good for Howard County, and a strong Howard County is good for Baltimore. And given our interdependence, things like transportation, represent a prime opportunity to serve as a resource to connect uh, numerous residents who work across the region. You know, nearly 60% of Howard County residents commute in and out of uh, the county each and every day. And so we need both a well-run and adequately funded transit system if we want to improve the quality of life and opportunities for our residents, visitors, and businesses. So Howard County is actually the linchpin between Maryland's two major regions of the Baltimore-DC corridor, bordering six jurisdictions and positioned squarely in the center of any effective regional transportation plan. Ultimately, equitable and efficient transportation is not just important to our residents, but to our entire state's economy, mobility, and future. Yeah, and you know, we've talked so many times here on the Chesapeake Connect podcast about the importance of transportation. And Aaron Tamarcio, you mentioned it early on in this discussion. Um, talk about some of the trends around economic and uh, workforce development uh, that perhaps you, you are optimistic about when it comes to Baltimore City. I'm very encouraged, uh, you know, with, with with Baltimore City, and, and as the county executive put it very well, the regional collaboration that occurs each and every day uh, with the, the the major players uh, in government and, and in industry uh, to really, um, you know, work together as as a region uh, to, you know, build the best workforce, uh, you know, educate um, our our students from K through 12, all the way clear up through uh, the higher degree uh, learning and uh, be able to 
give them a stable environment um, in which to, you know, work, live, and play. And I think, you know, Maryland and, and, and the greater Baltimore region is a very stable region with a lot of growth and opportunity uh, behind it and a lot of diversity. Um, you know, you talk to the, the county executive ball in the, in the high-tech job corridor that's being established and growing in, 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 uh, in Howard County and, and the logistics sector here in eastern Baltimore County, all working together. Um, know, to, uh, to really give a diverse economy uh, for the region. And I think when you have a diverse economy, uh, you're able to provide uh, a diversity of jobs and opportunity for, uh, uh, for the people here. So I, I think it's um, I'm very optimistic about this region, have been um, for quite a long time. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, County Executive Ball, as I mentioned earlier, you attended the last Chesapeake Connect trip to Nashville. Um, what did that experience teach you about our region? Uh, are there things you think we can learn from Nashville? I wonder in terms of stuff like tourism and the arts. You mentioned the arts uh, a little earlier in this conversation, even areas like healthcare. Um, what'd you take away from that experience going to Nashville? Well, the arts and tourism were very important to Nashville, and that's something that did remind me of Howard County. You know, we have an incredible downtown Columbia district that's being revitalized uh, and it's all centralized around Meriwether Post Pavilion, one of the top music venues in the nation. Our community has a deep appreciation for the arts and culture and projects like the new cultural center which I referenced earlier which will house Toby's will exemplify that these are priorities for our residents. You know, an elegant city it's a place where people come and there's so much tourism uh, there and focused on the culture and the history and the artistic uh, capabilities of even just the buildings. And we see these things as vital to our quality of life and it's the same thing for our neighbors in Baltimore where we see events like Artscape and Home to Micah and, and so many incredible museums. You know, arts and culture are what gives a community a personality, a, an animating place that makes things exciting. And places like Nashville have a great reputation, and I think it's in part because we've learned through, into their, through their history what makes their city unique. And it's a great example for Howard County and our region to follow. And as we continue to work toward getting out of the COVID-19 pandemic, which disrupted so many facets of our daily lives that hit our arts and creative community especially hard, being able to allocate $100,000 to artists relieved and to support individual artists and nonprofits, arts organizations that have been adversely impacted by this pandemic was critical to us starting to get back on our feet and then providing nearly $650,000 in CARES Act funding to our live venues, such as Meriwether, Toby's, and other local theaters, I think not only kept them uh, to be able to survive this challenging time, but then get on the other side of getting vaccines and reopening and actually thrive. And so many folks talk about uh, how helpful it's been and, uh, and how uh, animating it's been to take these trips. Uh, and Aaron Tamarkio, let's give you the last word here. Um, as a business leader, 
why do you think programs like Chesapeake Connect are important for our region? What What is to be learned from your point of view? I think uh, programs like Chesapeake Connect uh, can really help us understand best practices of, uh, of other regions, uh, learning how business and government can interact uh, to and, and form partnerships uh, to, to really grow uh, their economies and their regions. And when you're able to go to Nashville or Austin, there, there's uh, not one region has all the answers. And uh, we don't have all the answers here in, in the Baltimore region. So it's, it's great to be able to go to other parts of the country and, and learn best practices and, and, and determine what could potentially be brought back and, and put into practice here in Baltimore. Um, and I think it's, uh, it, it's a great education tool. It's a great motivating tool to encourage our decision makers and leaders and, and policymakers uh, to kind of think outside the box from time to time and, and do what uh, we can do together uh, to, to collectively grow and support the region. And I think programs like Chesapeake Connect can allow us to do just that. Aaron Tamarcio is the Senior Vice President for Corporate Affairs at TradePoint Atlantic. Aaron Tamarcio, thanks so much for joining us here on the Chesapeake Connect podcast. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you. And Howard County Executive Calvin Ball. County Executive, thank you as well. Appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And a word about the Baltimore Metropolitan Council. They are the sponsors of the Chesapeake Connect podcast. They collaborate with our region's elected executives to identify mutual interests and develop collaborative strategies, plans, and programs that improve our quality of life and economic vitality. BMC's member jurisdictions include Baltimore City, as well as Anne Arundel, Baltimore, Carroll, Harford, Howard, and Queen Anne's counties. And for more information, come on over to baltometro.org. The Chesapeake Connect podcast is produced by the Baltimore Metropolitan Council with assistance from WIPR. Please subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcasting app you use and give us a rating if you're so inclined. That will help other listeners find out about the pod. Our producer is Mark Gunnery. On our next episode of the Chesapeake Connect podcast, we're talking about supporting communities in need throughout the region with Franklin Baker. He's the president and CEO of the United Way of Central Maryland and Queen Anne's County Commissioner Jim Moran. Until then, I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for connecting.